You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend John Beeler. It's the new year. Uh, today's show, we're going to do a little uh, kind of way back. We're uh, picking uh, some of our favorite segments from uh, 2021. We'll be playing those during the program uh, today. And uh, specifically, we will be uh, chatting uh, or listening uh, back to the interview we did with Brewster Kale. He's the man behind the Internet Archive. It's the online source that basically tracks everything that's happened on the internet, from web pages to music to, to games. It's actually really cool. Anyway, we've uh, got uh, a few segments uh, with him coming up in the program, and uh, if you haven't heard it, uh, and even if you have, uh, it's a great listen. John, uh, guess what I got for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Mike. What did you get? Well, I think you already know. I got COVID. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very happy about it. It's uh, It's been an interesting ride, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, I got sick, I think, Christmas Day night, and um, I thought it was the, the flu because a few people at the office, you know, had a cold or, or flu, and, you know, they had tested negative. So I thought, oh, I've got the same thing. But um, I went online to book a test, it's uh, it's a busy time right now, John, to get a COVID test. <laughs> if, yeah, if you, you know. everybody seems to be dropping like flies lately. So I, I couldn't get one for literally two days near me. I didn't want to go to Chilliwack or Abbotsford. Uh, those are towns outside of Vancouver here in BC. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, and then it took, it, it literally took two days to get the results as well. Which it's a bit and of that, time. That was a PCR test. Yeah, it was the gargle test. I had to drive. It was a drive-through, and yeah, I had an appointment. But you know, we were an hour past that, waiting in line. Like all the roads to the testing site were all plugged because there's literally hundreds and hundreds of cars coming in to get you know, or people get get tested essentially. But it's it's interesting. Like they don't even really check your appointment information or anything. They just say, do you have an appointment? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure you're supposed to be there at least. Yeah, you know, no drop-ins, but you you could drop in. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, getting, getting through it, and uh, hopefully we'll be out the other side here uh, by the end of the weekend. Uh, let's look at some of the news, John, in uh, the tech world here. This was interesting. This kind of popped up all over the internet. Uh, Alexa suggested to a 10-year-old to put a penny on a partially explo- exposed plug. Did you, did you see that? I did see that, yeah. Very crazy. It's the penny challenge, apparently. So this is uh, on a website, I guess, ourcommunitynow.com, and I guess this child asked for something to do, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not that, Alexa. No, anyway, everyone is all up in arms because obviously that is kind of a a dangerous thing. Um, Fortunately, I don't think uh, the little girl did it. Uh, But yeah, that's tough, John. Like, obviously, these digital assistants, they're, they're scouring the internet for answers for us. And like, What's the quality control there? Uh, non-existent. <laughs> Do you think there's going to be something done about it now? Well, apparently this particular challenge has been removed from Alexa's database in a confirmed statement to the BBC. Yeah. But 
it's only a matter of time before some other stupid thing comes up, don't you think? Well, now people realize that they can probably game the system by yeah. creating challenges that they can put there and they can seed them so that the smartest systems will find them, as ridiculous as they may be. Yeah, because you know you have to realize you know a lot of people think that while well, humans are sorting these things out, no, it's all software and algorithms figuring out a lot of this and 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 the searches. So to your point, John, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more stupid stuff up there now that people know that they can kind of game the system as you as you say. Yeah. yeah. Also uh, in the tech news, uh, John bunch of teslas (laughs) recalled like close to half a million that is a lot i think like over three hundred fifty thousand model threes and uh almost 120 thousand model s vehicles yours potentially could be in that list too yeah i'm a little worried about that uh tesla estimates that only one percent of the model three vehicles will actually display the defect and apparently it's to do with the uh the trunk latch and uh the camera um, in in the car, essentially um, getting tangled up, the cable harness anyway. Yeah, that wouldn't be good if you're driving along and all of a sudden your, your frunk pops open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, the Model S is it's the uh, the front trunk, as you said, the frunk, uh, as they, uh, they call it. And the Model 3s, uh, it's the cable harness attaching the rear view camera causing the camera to unexpectedly fail. But again, they say it's less than 1% that they've come across in this. But, so, but how many Model 3s have been made in, in the, those years from 2017 to 2020? That's got to be a lot of them. Well, they, they say right now this particular recall is over 350,000 Model 3s. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot. And, you know, if you know anything about the Tesla service centers, there's not a lot of Tesla service centers. They either do mobile visits uh, or they've got a few, like in Vancouver here, for example, uh, there is one on Broadway and I believe there's one out in Langley now as well. But as you can imagine, um, you know, compared to other car companies, there's not a lot of service centers. Right. To deal so with. So like your COVID test, there might be a wait to get your car serviced. <laughs> yeah. I like how you tied that uh, all back. Uh, Radio Shack. Haven't heard that name in a while, John, have you? No, not at all. No, because uh, up here in Canada, uh, they were owned, the the Radio Shack brand was owned by um, a company called, I believe, Intertan uh, in Ontario. And um, they, I forget if they sold or rebranded it to The Source back in the day. And I now, I think Bell and Rogers owns The Source. So we don't have any more Radio Shacks here in Canada. Uh, but they call it a zombie brand now because there's not really any stores per se. Um, it's kind of more online focused. And they're coming up with a cryptocurrency exchange. The Radio Shack DeFi, which is short for decentralized finance. Yeah. You're going to get your, yeah, your yeah. crypto at Radio Shack's <laughs> cryptocurrency exchange? <laughs> Well, it's just kind of an interesting model. I mean, yeah. kind of like Polaroid. They're just, they, you know, is it really the best brand to put a cryptocurrency under? No, and there's a lot of these. Yeah, there's a lot of these phantom brands, aren't there, John? Like Kodak. You know, Kodak is licensing out their name to a bunch of products that not really their 
products anymore. Same with Polaroid, like you'd mentioned. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be following up on uh, this Radio Shack. I mean, everyone's trying to launch, launch a cryptocurrency or an exchange. So uh, it's going to be interesting times over the next couple of years. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got some great segments uh, with Brewster Kale. He is the man behind the Internet Archive, kind of like the museum archive for the Internet. It's super fascinating. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike and John here. We've got a fantastic guest uh, on the line now, and he goes way back in internet history as well. And speaking of way back, he's the guy that came up with the Wayback Machine, a great website where you can go to uh, browse the internet archive, like find websites from back in 1999, for example. It's shocking. I looked at some of my old stuff that I did, like back when I was just learning HTML, and it's all still there. It's amazing stuff. On the line, We've got Brewster Kale. He is uh, the man behind the Internet Archive and many, many other things. Thanks for joining us, Brewster. Mike, John, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, Before we get into the Internet Archive, I just want to talk about all the bits of Brewster buried all over the Internet here as well. Uh, You've been involved uh, with the Internet from way back in uh, in the 90s. Uh, You had a a previous uh, endeavor. Uh, You developed what's called the Way System, which apparently was the first internet distributed search and document retrieval system which was a i guess a precursor to the world wide web yeah yeah so that, that was my probably my claim to fame of why i'm in the internet hall of fame is i did a system before the web but the web was actually easier to use and better uh, than ways was and it uh, <laughs> did uh it did it that one was the one that took over but uh yeah it was a, it, the 90s was all about trying to get open protocols and to make it a uh, an open system, as opposed to sort of the LexisNexis or the AOLs of the world. Uh, you also had a company called Alexa Internet, which was sold to Amazon, uh, which, yeah. uh, interestingly enough, uh, they eventually came out with the Alexa Voice Assistant. Any any uh, parallel no, I, there? You know, I think, well, they own the name, so they can yeah. use that, but that's about it. Oh, it it's, it's really it's crushing. I mean, Bill said, oh, you did Waze. Yeah, but not that one. <laughs> oh, you did Alexa. Yeah, but not that one. Um, so, uh, uh, so yeah, so, but, but good name picks, I think. Well, at least there's some truth to that, right? Like, you know, instead of the guys going to the bar saying they're a Formula One driver, but, but not, like, at least you have those companies. Uh, the Alexa Internet, tell, tell the listeners what that was about. Alexa, Alexa Internet was uh, an attempt to try to um, collect and catalog the World Wide Web. Uh, you know, if, if, if you've ever used the Amazon, uh, people who bought this book, uh, this book, like this book, that part, um, we did that at the whole web scale. So we basically tried to help people navigate around on the net um, by saying people who like this web page, like that web page by having user trails anonymized of millions of people. And that was um, uh, a, a great system and, and uh, amazon.com bought it. It's still up and running. It's mostly known as a web metrics company at this point. Well, around that same time, you started the Internet Archive. So explain to our listeners in a nutshell what it's all about and why you started it. The idea of why I went into the Internet actually, you know, if you dial time way back, 1980 it was well, the idea of like, what do you do as a geek that you actually could be proud of at the end of the day? And I, I was hard on a hard time. I was in college trying to figure this stuff out at MIT. And I was like, uh, okay, how about let's protect people's privacy? Um, people are just going to throw that away. 
Um, and so let, let's protect people's privacy. And it turned out that make encryption stuff work in that time was too hard. So I went to plan B, which is to try to build the Library of Alexandria for the digital age. Could we make it so that all the published works of humankind, everything ever published, all the books, music, video, everything, lectures, could be made accessible to anybody curious enough to want to have access to it. And that struck me as a lifetime goal worth doing. And so there were a bunch of steps along the way to try to get that to work. We needed computers that uh, you know could hold more than a few megabytes or kilobytes actually at those at the at the time. Um, you know we needed a network. Uh, then we needed to go and be able to talk to things over the network. All of that stuff came about and I helped sort of push it along. I was not the one responsible for it all, but I helped sort of push it along towards this vision of universal access to all knowledge. And uh, the Internet Archive, by the time we got through Waze and I sold that to AOL, we got a business model going on the open Internet. You know, the browsers were going OK. There was open source software um, from Richard Stallman. All that structure was kind of working. Um, and then we could build the library. So and starting in 1996, we started archiving the World Wide Web because it was the most ephemeral of media. Um, so we started with, with that and the idea is just crawl the heck out of it, right? Go and start someplace and just every time you find new links to new places, just crawl that, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, and then make the Wayback Machine allows you to see the World Wide Web as it was, surf the web as it was. But that was just with the web. Then we, then we went on to the television and books and the other things. But we're probably best known for the, uh, the Wayback Machine, which is a free service. You just try it. You go to archive.org and type in your own URL and you know, see what we have from the, uh, uh, from the past. People use it all the time. A few million people use it every day. Archive.org is um, about the 300th most popular website, according to Alexa Internet. Um, yeah, I, I didn't throw that statistic. Um, <laughs> And uh, so it's about the 300th most popular website. So there are 300 that are more popular, but there are 100 million that are less. So we feel okay about that. One of the things I love about the Internet Archive as well is that you guys have also gone beyond just web and books and things like that. You're archiving video games and all of that stuff, which is important to Mike and I's childhood. That was, you know, in 1980 when you were at MIT, Mike and I had BBSs and playing on our Atari computers, playing video games, and all that stuff is in the Internet Archive as well, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So our next step was television because that was nobody was collecting it, really. So we just started collecting um, uh, from 20 countries. Uh, we, we just collected Iraqi, Al Jazeera, NBC, CBS, Fox News, Chinese, Japanese, just record it all. Um, and we make that available searchably on the Internet, at least the news on archive.org, tv.archive.org, which is kind of awesome. Um, books. Uh, we, we were in part of the Million Books Project, which came before the Google Books Project, and there was Open Content Alliance, and we we now digitize about a million books a year, and we make those available and lending. Um, and that's actually why I was in Canada for six months, was to go and uh, help with the COVID response and trying to make um, books available to the kids that are stuck at home. So that's, that's uh, that was kind of fabulous. And yes, you're right. We've, we've done music, uh, video games have been really popular with, um, there's this communities, uh, that have can't come together under Jason Scott, um, to go and make it. So it's emulations. So you can actually click and play things from that Atari or that Commodore 64, or whatever, you know, 
trash 80 that you had uh, at home, that those things would come back to life. It's completely weird. Um, and then so great that it works that basically your browser goes and contacts the Internet Archive, downloads an emulator that was cross compiled from C code to JavaScript, comes into your browser, boots in your browser, like this Commodore 64 boots in your browser and then loads the either a floppy or the uh, uh, or the uh, cassette or whatever it is over the Internet as a virtual cassette and then runs. And it is kind of a magic uh, of, of this technology that you can make a virtual machine run in your browser, but it's working and people use it all the time. When we brought up the, the video games, um, we knew people were gonna like it, but we didn't know quite what they were gonna like. So we put it up and okay, our servers melted down. People <laughs> just couldn't, I was like, oh my God, there it is. I spent my whole junior high school living on that. And um, so uh, uh, people played it and it the biggest winner out of that was, um, oh, oh my God, how can I not remember this? The trails. Um, um, Oregon Trail? Oregon Trail. That's the Oregon big one? Trail, That's the big winner. That was the big winner. I mean, it just by far. It's like, I want to go and play Oregon Trail. Now, Oregon Trail is the game you never win, right? It is a, it is a game that you just, you, you die of dysentery in the middle of some awful place every time. And people wanted to play it again and again and again. And just, there it is. That's what melted the servers. <laughs> that was it. It was, it, was, it was Oregon. It was Oregon Trail. And I, it's such a non- 2021 you know where everybody's a winner right you know here's a trophy for showing up it's like no you die right there's, 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 there's nobody wins the Oregon, Oregon Trail we've got a great guest on the line his uh, name is Brewster Kale talking all about the internet archive when we come back we'll uh, talk a little bit more stay tuned you are back with Get Connected Mike and John here we're talking with Brewster Kale he's the man behind the internet archive a website that and projects that's essentially archiving everything <laughs> everything from internet pages to music to video games to books brewster uh when you're archiving internet web pages like you've obviously got bots and scrapers going out there to to get them all and bring them back to your servers and we'll talk about that in a second but how much of the internet do you think you actually are capturing are you capturing like 60 percent hundred percent i mean that the the internet is in the world wide web is effectively infinite i mean if you just take a you know a website that does chess right yeah. you know and, you do, and, and it's sort of infinite so the question is sort of how much of the stuff that people would want to see do you have and it's really hard to know um and um but i think we're getting better just because we're collecting about a billion captures every day a billion sorry what a so billion um a billion b um uh, you know of either gifs or dumps so it's maybe about a half of that are, are pages what you think of html or txt or pdf or something like that um so that's the, that's the quantity that we're doing but the real secret sauce of it is people people um so you know it's it's actually there's there these um about 800 institutions um, use a service called Archive It. And it's a subscription-based service of the Internet Archive where universities and state governments and things like that, they, they will log in and they will set up bots to go and collect particular websites at particular web frequencies. You know, it's like, okay, there's an election going on. We need these 
um, are the main websites. We need these captured every hour for the next day. We need it every week for the, blah, 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 blah. and it's these librarians that make it so that uh, we've got really the deep collections of the stuff that really matters. And then we have dumb bots that just try to strafe up everything they can, but they're still not going to hit completely deep in the right corners. So it's but this combination of sort of dumb, voracious bots plus uh, 800 institutions and these uh, librarians. And we're just rolling out actually a community webs project in Canada. We did it a couple of years ago in the United States, but we're now doing it in Canada. So your public libraries can get free accounts because it's sponsored by a, a foundation that said, okay, let's just get it to their first year, they're up and running, and that those those guys can go and start to collect things that are appropriate. So historical societies were interested in all of that. So if you have anybody listening that wants to go and say, let's use that to make sure that our COVID response uh, websites, our, uh, uh, our local happenings, uh, our local newspaper, our, our you know, the, so those things are, are uh, well archived. We can now have free accounts uh, for the next year for, I think, like, 50 to 100 institutions in Canada um, that can go and deploy themselves with the help of bots to make sure that we've got really good captures of what matters from the web. Brewster, where is all this stuff kept and how much is it taken up? Like this isn't a server under your desk there at home. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's about 70 petabytes of data. So it goes mega, giga, Terra, what comes after Terra is peta, petabytes. So 70 petabytes of data and it's stored in multiple copies. Um, so um, the primary copy is actually in um, this former church in, the, uh, in San Francisco that we bought with actually have servers in it. Um, there's another copy um, in Richmond, California um, and um, upcoming, there will be a partial copy, hopefully a full copy over time in Canada. Um, so the Internet Archive Canada is going to become first class. We also have a partial copy in Amsterdam and a partial copy in Alexandria, Egypt. Really? Actually, in <laughs> Alexandria, Egypt, in the Library of Alexandria. And if, you, if you're ever in Cairo, go visit, um, not after maybe after you go to Giza, but um, go visit Alexandria. It's a beautiful city and they built a new library um, and they redid the first floor architecture to go and show off the blinking lights of uh, the uh, Wayback machine that they, that they run in Alexandria, Egypt. So the idea is have lots of copies. Lots of copies keep stuff safe. That's so I can't wait to go to Alexandria to see that in person. Uh, it'll I feel like James or uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Brewster, a question I have for you: When you're capturing all this content, how do you handle copyright or copyright claims or issues around that? Right. And there's, there's it's got to be a really complex mess when you're dealing with ROMs and emulation versus newspapers and other things. TV shows, music, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so almost everything in a library is copyrighted. Yeah. Right? Almost everything. Right. So how do you go and how do you make it still work? Um, so it's we basically acquire things um, like we acquire books. We, you know, we, we either get them donated or we buy them um, and we then preserve them. 
And then we make them available at some level. Let, let's take the let's take the books for instance. Um, so we digitize books, all the out of copyright books. Actually, the real leader in that was Carol Moore at the University of Toronto. She's probably my favorite librarian. She just said, "I want to <laughs> go and digitize and make available to everybody all of the public domain." materials at the University of Toronto libraries. And University of Toronto is the sixth largest uh, library in the North America, right? It's just amazing. And she just said, let's just do it. And we worked together and we got it done. Um, but then how do you keep going and do the in-copyright materials? So we digitize in-copyright materials uh, we for the blind and dyslexic, we for the people with print disabilities. And it turns out that uh, Carol said that 7% of the incoming freshmen of University of Toronto have problems reading print. 7%. And so if we can go and make everything available to them, they will do much better at University of Toronto. But what if you could actually make it better all the way before? How many more would be in the University of Toronto if they didn't have stumbling blocks of having trouble with print? So we make things available, the, the print disabled. Then uh, we also make things available for machine learning, right? So you can go and do that. Then we wanted to do more. And then we made it available for um, a controlled digital landing. So if we had a physical copy that wasn't circulating, we could make a digital copy and lend it to one person at a time, right? So it's a digital lending library. It's kind of lame, right? You know, you sort of say, hey, why don't you just make lots of copies? It's like, well, there's this thing called copyright, right? So there's, um, so the copyright uh, uh, made, so we did the control digital lending and now we're doing interlibrary loan. Um, so all of these uh, are mechanisms to try to make a, a balance work. Or we did television, right? We recorded television from all over the place. We just take the television news and make um, 30 seconds available kind of thing. Um, and then if you want the whole thing, then you ask to borrow it. We print it onto a, a, a DVD, I guess a thumb drive these days. We send it to you and you have to send it back. You say, that's lame. It's like, yeah, but that's the balance. Um, with the World Wide Web, if it's um, something that doesn't, somebody doesn't want up, um, usually it's actually kind of privacy things or, you know, it's uh, something that they're not all that proud of. Then we go and we uh, uh, we take it out of the Wayback Machine. So people write to info at archive.org. We're talking with Brewster Kale. He's the man behind the uh, Internet Archive, the Wayback Machine, a really cool website that allows you to go back in time to see how the web used to be. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to uh, explore a few more things about the Internet Archive with Brewster Kale. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected, Mike and John here. We have got Brewster Kale on board today. He's talking all about the Internet Archive, I guess because he invented it, <laughs> more or less. Uh, Brewster, you're talking about digitizing everything from music to video games to books. Google's in that game as well. Aren't they trying to digitize the, the world's books as well? What's the difference between what they're doing and what you're doing? Absolutely. Aren't they fantastic? I mean, I use their services all the time. It's yep. completely great. Um, and they've digitized 25 million books, right? And we've done a measly 5 million or so. Yeah. So, you know, they're, 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 really, they're, they're really doing it. But they're doing it from a very different angle. Um, they're doing it to basically make their search engine better. 
um, and also try to make money out out, out of it. Um, to their credit, they went and donated a copy to um, to a thing called the Hati Trust, which is sort of this um, subscription based, you know, only for elite institution uh, 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 collection, uh, which so, uh, you know, thank you to Google for going and making a preservation copy someplace. Um, ours, our goal is to really help um, the unaffiliated researchers, uh, the Wikipedia contributors, the uh, kids that are stuck at home, um, you know, not able to get to the books that are in their library, the people that are far away from their homes um, that aren't able to, uh, far away from libraries so they can't get access. Um, we are, um, and we don't have a profit mo motive and it makes it fundamentally different. Um, so, so, you know, okay, they're a billion dollar company and we're uh, not. Um, and so we, we survive on donations, right? People just donate money to us. Um, you know, we do the end of the year begathon, um, like Wikipedia or, uh, or national public radio down here in the United States. Um, and people contribute um, if they use it. Um, and so that's what, how we survive. And that makes it so that that's our user base. We, we're not trying to serve advertisers. <laughs> are you taking in enough money though like to uh, like how much oh, does this oh, cost how, how much does this cost no, to run no, 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 never enough money but we're doing we're doing fine um you know we a, a lot of the, the biggest cost for us is people um it's the people who, and um so most people actually are volunteers and they they upload things to the internet archive from outside. They, they, they digitize stuff and they, so they go to archive.org and there's an upload button so they just go upload and they just add things in and then we help try to organize it and guide things to go and try to fill in the gaps but it's amazing materials that are uh being done um and we we write on the coattails of of, of organizations like google like if you go to archive.org it's really hard to find your way around but uh, most people find their way by using like Google and they go and find just the book they're looking for or the music they're looking for or um Gosh, TV programs, all these sorts of miscellaneous things that people, oh, there's, a, there's somebody that's uploading 1 million manuals, a million manuals, like, you know, like all those manuals to all those, you know, consumer things, it turns out they're collectors of those. And they're awesome. And they're uploading a million manuals. Um, so this is the, the way, that's why the internet's so awesome, is it really is just us, all right? It's a big collaborative, radical sharing project that is the World Wide Web. And we're sort of part of that original era idea of the, no, you shouldn't just go screw people over like some of the new uh, platforms out there. You should actually like, be behind them and if you're behind them they'll help support you so the internet archive is pretty good uh in pretty good shape the address again for people to find out more archive.org oh and there's another that's a lot easier to use openlibrary.org openlibrary.org is a website that's really designed around books um oh oh, oh and there's a new one new one new one uh scholar.archive.org scholar archive.org it's not actually uh competing with google scholar but it has um 25 million papers and a lot of uh, the long tail things that aren't on the uh internet anymore of uh academic papers and open access journals that that uh, have gone under so it's 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 a, a a good collection brewster thanks so much for joining us and telling us your favorite librarian as well <laughs> <laughs> thank you go carol moore 
When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. We'll be talking a little bit about some of the futuristic things that Google has announced this week as well. Stay tuned. You're back with the program. Mike and John here. Uh, had a listen to a few of those segments with Bruce or Kale. Uh, that was uh, a great show uh, that we did back in uh, May, all about the Internet Archive. Again, uh, don't forget to listen to all our podcasts at getconnectedmedia.com or any place where you get your podcasts, like the Apple uh, uh, iTunes or podcast uh, store, uh, or even Spotify as well. Uh, John, we're uh, kind of on pins and needles right now. We have been scheduled to go down to Consumer Electronics Show. There's been tons of companies that have pulled out, but um, kind of a day left, and I don't know, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, we kind of had to make a decision to either go or not. And as of this moment, we're going, unless something prevents us, like a negative COVID or a positive COVID test, and or something happens with the airline or even the event itself, which wouldn't be the first time we've been left at the altar when these events get canceled. Yeah, I I don't know if uh, I'm going to be able to make it down with my COVID uh, and, you know, the isolation period so we're still checking uh, that out uh, but good luck john <laughs> the rest of, and the rest of uh, uh of the team it, you know if you can get down there it, it'll certainly be interesting uh, to see you know how many have pulled out they say still you know the vast majority of exhibitors are going so uh i'll be interested to see what kind of uh footage you guys uh, get uh, if uh, you do go down I uh, want to thank all the folks that helped put this program together, including John uh, and, of course, Stephen and Robin and uh, Christina and the rest of the ba- uh, folks back at the studio. This is Mike and John logging off. Forget Connected. We'll see you again next time.